When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio, episode number 15. Trey Yannity, Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso back with you as the Pittsburgh Pirates now sit at 3-13 on this young season, continuing to struggle, continuing to fall further back, eight and a half games out of first place now. Uh, a sweep this weekend against the Detroit Tigers, some thrilling ball games. We have a ton to cover today uh, and, and into this week here, but gentlemen, over the next three days, the Pirates will not be playing baseball because the Cardinals' outbreak is continuing to haunt them. What a what a weird time it is still here as we sit on August the 9th, now a quarter of the way into the season. What are your guys' thoughts on baseball as a whole, not just the Pirates? We'll get into that in a second here. Kick the Cardinals out of Major League Baseball. End of discussion. Yeah, no, it's a little ridiculous. Um, obviously, the Cardinals, you know, are not doing everything they should be doing still. And that needs to be looked into. That's for sure. Um, you know, it honestly comes at a good time for the pirates. They kind of need this break. You know, they could use a few days off for, especially for their pitchers, but also with the trade deadline being a few weeks out, this kind of gives them a good opportunity to really, you know, take a look at this roster and figure out what exactly what they want to do over the next three weeks. Cause you know, there should be a lot done, but we'll see what happens. Hey, and it's three more days. We don't have to watch the Pirates, uh, you know, take a loss. So that's something. But they did suffer three of them this weekend. A heartbreaker on Friday night. 13-13, to 13, going into extras. If you score 13 runs, you have to win the game. I don't care who you are, what your bullpen looks like. If your offense puts up 13 on the board, how do you not win that baseball game? Yeah, especially when you get a dominant performance from your starting pitcher to boot. Like, that was just incredible what I witnessed Friday night. I mean, as a baseball fan, it was definitely one of the most exciting games you're going to see all season. But to have your starting pitcher and Chad Cole come out and just make the Tigers look helpless at the plate, essentially, and for your offense to put up 13 runs and you lose by four. You don't even lose by one. You lose by four. Man, it's – I feel like that game was probably the 2020 Pirates in a nutshell. Either that or Rich Rod's wild pitch on Sunday, one of the two. It's yeah, I mean that's that's a really good point. That wild pitch was something to behold. I think, you know, <laughs> I saw someone tweet uh twenty twenty was a pitch, you know, and that pretty much sums it up. But 
No, it was definitely disheartening to see that. You know, you wonder uh, Del Pozo, obviously they knew uh, that was going to be his last time out and they really let him burn out there. You got to wonder, you know, if he has something hiding of Charrington or Shelton or what, because they gave him every opportunity in the world and he never showed one positive thing. So it's good to see they moved on from him so far. He op- They optioned him so he could come back. But, yeah, just to see the Pirates' offense starting to wake up. You know, I've been talking about looking for positives. The 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 young hitters are starting to come around, Kevin Newman, Brian Reynolds. Um, yeah, no, there's, there's definitely a lot of positives with the offense the last few games, even going back to the end of the Twin Series. Like Nick said, Brian Reynolds and Kevin Newman are starting to get going at the plate. Josh Bell looks the best he's looked all year. He's been walking more. He's been hitting the ball with authority. He seems like he's really got his timing down for the first time all year. Colin Moran had that 0 for 20 stretch or whatever it was, but had a two-hit game to finish twin series. Got him base a couple times Sunday. So it looks like he's starting to pull out of his little bit of a slump. And, I mean, even, you know, like Eric Gonzalez, who's just come out of nowhere this year. Yeah, let's and, talk about him a little more. Yeah, yeah I mean, Gonzalez right now is an eight – 833 OPS, 133 WRC plus. I mean, his exit velocity is 92.2 miles an hour. His hard hit rate is almost 60%. Like, Gonzalez has always been a guy who's hit the ball hard. I, I wrote about this over the weekend, so there's more about this on the site. But in his career, he's always had an above average hard hit rate and exit velocity. But the biggest problem is he put too many balls on the ground. And his ground ball rate has gone way down this year. And that has undoubtedly made a huge difference for him. And I mean, I know there's been a lot of jokes made about this, but whenever he was acquired by Neil Huntington, Huntington said his scouts were pounding the table, telling the Pirates to acquire him. And I think we've always known why they wanted him defensively. Now we're starting to see what they saw with that offensive value. I mean, to be honest with you, at this point, the way Gonzalez is hitting, you can't keep him out of the lineup and, when you combine what he can do defensively with if this becomes some sort of a norm offensively, you very well may see Gonzalez as your starting shortstop sooner rather than later. What's interesting about Gonzalez for me is he was always viewed as the top prospect for the Indians ahead of Lindor. He was considered to be the future shortstop. And then of course Lindor tore it up through their minor league system and you know, went on to be a superstar and Gonzalez kind of fell by the wayside. And I wonder how much of that, you know, impacted his career early on. And now that he's starting to get more consistent at bats. And like you said, he's starting to lift the ball more, you know, just looking at his launch angle over the last three years, his launch angle has been under five this year, 13. So obviously he's lifting the ball more. You know, he, his hard hit percentage, like Marty says, 58%. That's great. But the most important thing also, He's not striking out. He's only struck out four times this year so far and 36 at-bats. It's under 10%. Obviously, that's going to be hard to keep up. But if you're hitting a ball hard and you're making consistent contact in today's game, you're going to you're gonna find yourself on the field. And he's definitely earning, you know, outside of Phillip Evans, he's been the team's best hitter throughout probably the whole season, which is no one thought they'd be saying that. No, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy to think that he has really come on the way he has, especially with the amount of middle infielders this team is trying to to work into the lineup every day. To go back to that trade a little bit, though, 
Um, you know, we talked about it this weekend, Nick. At the time, it was like you're sending Max Mark, you're sending Jordan Luplo, but you know that that trade also brought this team to Naj Thomas, um, you know, and others. And so I, I, I feel like you just it's only continuing to, to gain value as Eric Gonzalez heats up this bat. Um, but you know, do we see this throughout the year? He did drive in six of his eight RBIs um, in the one game there on Friday night. I, I think if Gonzalez continues to hit the ball hard, it's going to be difficult to keep him out of the lineup, especially with Adam Frazier struggling. Newman has started to heat up, as we talked about, but he still is off to a slow start. And now with the Evans injury potentially opening up more bats at third base. So I, I think at this point, Gonzalez has taken the ball and he has started to run with it. And at this point, the ball is probably in his court. If he continues to make solid contact, he continues to hit the ball hard continues to be a plus defender, it's going to be difficult to take him out of the lineup. And, you know, kudos to him for that because last year when he was brought in to be the shortstop and he started slow, he got hurt, Newman took the job. Like, there was a lot going against him, and there was a lot of reasons why he could have just kind of – And you know what, though, to be fair, he came back and had a decent September last year. And that he did enough to to stick around in September. So that – forget that. Right. And, and, you know, that's – that says a lot too about a guy. You know what I mean? He's he's been battling to stay on this roster for the better part of a year now and you know, he's just improved through it. So that's definitely, you know, something we want to see. Uh and hopefully we can get more guys like that, you know, that, to take that step forward. Yeah, that you definitely have to give him a lot of credit for that. I mean, like you said, Nick, he's been doing this for the better part of a calendar year now, essentially. And there's a lot of guys who put in his position after that injury and everything probably wouldn't have put up the fight that he has. I mean, I, I put up the numbers real quick here on fan graphs to go back to September 1st of last year. So this is a hundred plate appearance. It's not a huge sample size, but enough. It, he's hitting 319 is on base is 337. He's slugging 450. His strikeout rate is under 20%, which is pretty solid. Like, you know, he's been doing this for an extended, not a huge period, but an extended period of time now. So it does appear that whatever Gonzalez and Rick Eckstein have been working on since last summer is starting to really click for him into play. I mean, if nothing else, if, you know, even if this is just a hot streak type of thing right now, he's definitely showing you that, you know, he's a bat that at least should be on this team going forward instead of DFAing like we were asking for at the beginning of the season. Exactly. <laughs> He's proved himself. He's definitely uh, come along. But the offense as a whole, I mean, 16 hits on Friday night, scoring five runs on Saturday as well after the 13-run effort uh, the night before. It, it feels like this offense is really starting to feel a lot more comfortable. Um, but what, what's interesting is that this team has put out 16 different lineups in as many days. How does that kind of affect the way that this team is hitting? And I guess which one has been your favorite so far? I love personally, I love seeing Cole Tucker lead off. I was a fan of Cole Tucker leading off. I like that kind of just that electricity at the top, top of the lineup. He has the pop that, you know, he could lead off a game with a home run, but also has the speed that gets on base can be dangerous also. So, you know, as he develops, that's somewhere I'd like to see him getting more at bats. Uh, overall, the 16 different lineups, we've talked about this before, you know, a lot just trying to get uh, guys at bats and time and see what they have at each position. 
But at the same time, you know, you would like to see some consistency. You know, Brian Reynolds, he's been playing a lot. Josh Bell's been playing a lot. You know, that's the guys that it's really important to make sure that you have those guys every night in the lineup. The other pieces, the Gerard Dysons and, um, you know, right now the middle infield, they have a little bit of a rotation working, which is fine. But as long as they have the key young guys and I'm happy. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I want to see Gonzalez getting at bats. I want to continue to see Cole Tucker get some at bats. I want Reynolds out there, obviously. Obviously, when Josh Bell in the lineup, you know, it's that's where I'm at more than anything. I, I definitely would not hate to see Cole Tucker take at bats away from Gerard Dyson in center field as hit or misses Tucker's defense has been in center field. I'm at this point, I'd rather see him develop the bat anyhow, and he's not going to do that sitting on the bench. Yeah, um, exactly. And I know we'll get into this a little bit whenever we talk about the Philip Evans injury, but I think there's a possibility that we could see some other youngsters joining this roster here sooner rather than later, which will also have an impact on things. Well, when it comes to tanking, you know, we've, we've kind of had tank be the underlying subject of our last few episodes. Um, you know, you, you don't necessarily even think about winning and losing as much as just getting the value out of these players right now, this team isn't expected to win games. So if we can get, you know, as many ABs to Cole Tucker, Kevin Newman, Josh Bell, like you guys are saying, as we can, that's, that's how you get value out of tanking by figuring out what you have and, and getting the youngsters a chance. Um, but, and that's, that's the point that people think tanking is them going out and throwing games and not trying to win. They're not a guy on that field is trying to win. They're trying to stay in baseball and, you know, get their next contract and they're, they're going out there and doing the best they can every night. And like you said, the, the key to tanking is, you know, doing it effectively. So drafting effectively, developing effectively, but also like you just said, you know, getting these guys, the right guys at bats as much as you can at the major league level. Now that way it pays off down the road. So, yeah, I, I know we talked about this. I think like even last episode of the episode before that with tanking and getting young guys at bats, but I again go back to that 2010 season. You look at the at bats that Andrew McCutcheon got, Neil Walker, Pedro Alvarez, Jose Tabata, Garrett Jones. Those at bats proved to be crucial in 2013 when this team started to make their postseason runs. You know, those guys cut their teeth in 2010. The team wasn't good, but they got their at bats. They acclimated to the MLB level. You learned who were your keepers with guys like that. You learned with the pitching staff, you know, the Ross Olendorfs and James McDonald's of the world that weren't going to be keepers long term. And that's ultimately what it's all about. And also to the Pirates' credit, when they wound up with the number one pick in the draft after that season, they hit a home run with Garrett Cole. So they they effectively tanked every way. They got their young guys at bats. They got their young arms innings. They learned that a lot of those young hitters were part of the future. They learned that most of those young arms were not. And then they hit a home run with their draft pick. So th- that's ultimately what you should be looking for and hoping for from that this team this season. It's just about having a plan, you know, like, like you're saying, Marty, it's about figuring out how do we, I guess, how do we maximize each and every game? You know, how do we figure out what we have in every player throughout the season? Because this year, the Pirates aren't going to come in anywhere except for fifth place. If you figure out which pieces are right to trade at this deadline, you know, which guys do we have more value in than we realize? And I think that's why we see Charrington maybe take a little bit more time here, um, you know, and is maybe a little bit less open uh, about certain players, as most general managers would be, um, because, you know, he's still trying to figure out what value he has in players. 
But when you're down 10 to 5 like yesterday or when you're down, you know, even 17, 13 going uh, into the last half inning, it's, it's figuring out which guys will succeed in these situations. You have a chance to do that in a 60-game season when you're pretty much out of it a quarter of the way through. The Pirates did suffer an 11-5 loss on Saturday, but even worse, they suffered the injury, season-ending injury, of Philip Evans after he collided with Gregory Polanco. I mean, you have to feel bad for everybody involved in this situation, but for Philip Evans, it's like, come on. You know, the guy gets healthy. He, he really starts to break out again for the second time in his career. He's had a, uh, an injury end his season and end the, um, you know, the hot bat. So tough to see. Where do we go from here? It's tough to see that uh, Philip Evans obviously has been a great, sto- one of the few great stories for the Pittsburgh Pirates this season. Um, I think what makes it even harder to see is the fact that he was playing a position he's never played before, you know, so that it just makes you wonder, you know, what if someone else would have been there. It's just, it's, it's a hard situation, just bad timing, bad, everything hard to look at, had the hard to watch, but uh, you definitely feel for the guy, but he definitely did enough to deserve to stick around. And you just hope that everything progresses okay for him going forward. Yeah, I mean, seriously, man, you talk about the highs and lows of baseball. Friday night, he's hitting his first career home run, uh, what, three or four hit game, whatever it was. And then Saturday, this happens. You, you have to feel awful for him. Like Trey hinted at, the same thing happened to him back in 2018. The Mets were ready to give him an extended look late in the season and he broke his leg on a slide at second base and now this happens here i, I mean it, he to his credit he took the bull by the horns this season and he forced his way in that lineup and like you said nick he proves he belongs and i think that if nothing else to his credit he is a player who now enters spring training 2021 with a spot on the roster locked up rather it's super utility man whatever it might be He's going to go into spring training 2021, assuming he is healthy and fully recovered from this, feeling pretty good about his spot on the roster. And also with that play, I mean, you, you have to feel terrible for Gregory Polanco as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah he, he's kind of, that's his ball all the way. Like you said, it goes back to Evans having never played first base before. Not saying Evans did anything wrong. He did not. He just doesn't – he's never played the position. And that's the right fielder's ball, and Polanco's coming in and – Anytime you run into, into a teammate like they're going to feel bad, but especially to see with Evans, I mean, it looked like he was knocked out when he first got hit. And with the jaw break and the concussion, I'm sure Polanco feels terrible and he's done nothing wrong, but you have to feel bad for him as well. The the, the point that I feel bad for Polanco, and, you know, I was describing this to Lauren Marty, was uh, it's just like every time that something goes wrong on the field with the pirates, it seems like he's in the middle of it. And it's just, I I just like, it's it's like, I didn't see the play live and she came and told me what happened. And I, she's like, I think Polanka ran into him and my buddy was like, I'm shocker. He doesn't even watch baseball, you know? And he knew that Polanka, was going to be in the middle of that. So that that's why I feel bad for him just because it's like the guy just can't catch a break, you know, like he's just trying to play baseball and no matter what he does, there's something always going wrong. So I do definitely feel for him a little bit. Evans though, you know, it's, I just hate to see guys who go and do all the right things and bust their butts and, you know, kind of have everything working against them, but they still, 
succeed, you know, then they'd lose that opportunity because of something that was basically out of their control, you know, almost. So it's, it's, it's tough to see. It's very hard. It's, it's just, you know, right when the hype train is, is catching its, its biggest momentum, um, you know, an injury like that happens and not to make light of it by any means, but isn't this just such a, you know, such an example of Pirates baseball in 2020. It never ends. Being a, being a Pirates fan, it never ends. It's just, it's, it's one thing after another. It's, it's been that way. Well, for it's the, that yesterday, today you have the pitch. like, yeah, it's what's tomorrow going to bring. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I don't even want to start the Eric Gonzalez type train because we'll probably jinx him and he'll get hurt again. Yeah. No, not worth it. We'll, we'll keep that one quiet, but it is, it is starting to gain some steam here. Um, as he continues to stay hot. Sunday's effort was, um, you know, a, a much different game than we saw out of the first two, a two to one final Detroit scoring a run in the late innings to pick up the victory, but a, a solid, very solid start out of Steven Brault. Love what we saw out of Chris Stratton on Sunday. Some positives to take away from this game as well, even though the team lost really out of, out of some of these bullpen pitchers like Jeff Hartley that are starting to emerge and outside of the one pitch, even guys like Rich Rod now. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the bullpen was terrific on Sunday. I mean, without a doubt, the best outing the bullpen's had all year. I don't think I've seen the Pirate bullpen have a game like that since it, were, it was a game in 2013. I think they were playing, I'm going to say the Reds maybe. It was in early June, and uh, Jen Margomez started and left the game after literally like two pitches. And the mm-hmm. game went something like 14 innings. It was a bullpen game, and they won it. And I, I haven't seen a bullpen performance like this since then. I mean, Brawl tip of the cap to him to bounce back after what happened Friday and not just that, but to be pitching on one day's rest after throwing 40 pitches or whatever it was, gives them two scoreless Chris Stratton, which Noah has something up about him on the slide today, which is really turning into just an absolutely terrific reliever for the pirates. Jeff Hartley looks like a guy who's starting to take that next step. I know he and Stratton both look like they're really solidifying themselves as long-term building blocks in a bullpen. And even Richard Rodriguez, as much as everyone, myself included, has given that guy a hard time, all of a sudden he's starting to look like what we saw in 2018. That velocity's back. It's back, yeah. Eight innings pitched this year, 11 strikeouts. He's only given up that one home run back on opening day, which – Coming into today was the only runs he'd given up, and today's runs were a fluky thing because of his cleat getting stuck in the dirt. Like, I realize he threw the wild pitch, but it's still tough to really put that on him. You know, stuff like that's going to happen when you play sports. He's been terrific this year. His ERA is down to 338. His FIP's under three. So I, I do think that Rich Rod's really starting to put it together again. And it, it was just great to see. It, if nothing else, I think the bullpen needed a day like this just for a shot in the arm of confidence. So it was good to see them have a day like that for, if, for no other reason other than to give them as a group a much-needed shot of confidence. So Rich Rodriguez, the last time we talked on here, his fastball velocity was like 90.8 or something like that average. Now it's up 92 and a half. So that's one of the big things in his resurgence is just finding his, you know, arm strength back. Now, you know, if that was something, you know, we heard a little bit about some teams, you know, working their pitchers back a little gradual. So you have to wonder how much, um, 
of this is him just getting loosened up. Also, though, you know, it's Richard Rodriguez. He's going to be volatile. So, you know, I'm sure he'll have his ups and downs, but that's, that's who he is. And right now he's looking good, and hopefully he can continue because the bullpen definitely needs him right now. No doubt. Um, and, and to think that this bullpen had used 11 arms coming into Sunday's game um, to, to put on that showing uh, last night, incredible. Um, and hopefully, you know, we see this moving forward. I think Jeff Hartlieb is is there now. We're seeing guys really emerge from this bullpen, like Chris Stratton. Del Pozo has been optional. I think things are getting better, you know, especially with that group. And since that is the group that needed it the most, it's it's excellent to see. Um, hopefully that continues. Stephen Brault started that game on Sunday after Joe Musker was scratched Saturday night due to some side discomfort. What's the prognosis here? Are we going to see Big Joe come back soon? We'll get to Alvarez here in a minute. The Pirates signed um, on Sunday. What? Where does this leave the starting five now that, that Big Joe may be out for an extended period of time? Well, the starting five is now down to the starting point five and point five, I guess, right? We're down to just Stephen Brawled and Chad Cole from the original, what should have been the rotation for this year. Trevor as well. Uh, Trevor Williams, yeah. right? I was thinking, I was thinking of Tyon, right? But so yeah, I mean Tyon, Archer, Musgrove, um, Keller. You know, man, you look at that on paper, and you would think the Pirates would be in a lot better position. But having four name, you know, your four top names sidelined is not what you want to see out of the rotation. Uh, part of this helps for you know the tank for Kumar. Uh, bandwagon humor is what we've gone to now correct correct but you hate to see joe musgrove go because you know he showed some flashes in his first few starts of taking um a step forward this year and you know you wonder if there's been you know this was a problem that he was trying to pitch through in his last start and hence maybe why he was having some issues with his control So you hate to see him lose once again, these innings for him to, you know, continue to progress and take a step forward. Yeah. I'll be interested to see with Joe moving forward. I mean, be having the next three days off, you know, we might see him take the mound Thursday in Cincinnati. Um, We'll see. I, I I don't know. This rotation is just, I, I really like, even though the first two starts weren't, the final line wasn't great. I liked what I saw out of Trevor Williams. I loved what I saw to him last time. He's got that late movement back on his fastball again. Hitters are late on it. I do think Trevor is getting back on track if he's not already to where he was pre-injury last year. Um, the, the, the piggybacking, I, I'm over it. Each of the last two starts, Shelton shouldn't have. Yeah, like – Chad Cole, I still think, is has the future of being one of your best starting pitchers. Just let him go pitch. And even Brault, I mean, Brault, dating back to, what, last June or so as a starting pitcher has been very good. Like, just, again, let's see what you've got in these guys. So, I don't know. We'll see. I think these next three days off will do wonders for this pitching staff. I also think there's a possibility that the bullpen will get a lot of reinforcements when they get to Cincinnati on Thursday. Um, it looks like Keone Kella will rejoin the team on Thursday. Also, because of these next three days off, the next time the Pirates play, they will be more than 20 days into the season. 
which means you can call up prospects who have not played in the majors yet without sacrificing a year of control. So I'll be very curious to see if we see Blake Cedarlin on Thursday. I think there's probably a pretty good shot that we see both Cedarlin and Kella. And I think that also raises the question, and especially with Philip Evans hurt, do we finally see Key Brian Hayes? I personally, with Evans hurt, I would like to see Hayes at third base with Moran getting time as between first and designated hitter. But now that the next time the Pirates play a game, they'll be able to call players up without sacrificing a year of control. I'll be very curious to see if we do see Key Brian Hayes and Blake Cedarlin join this team sooner rather than later, potentially on Thursday in Cincinnati. I'm interested to see the moves they make. Um, I hope that you're right with Cedarlin coming up. Obviously, Kella coming back will be nice too at the trade deadline coming up if they can get him out there to throw some enough innings to show that you know he's healthy and can help the team that maybe needs some bullpen help, which there's always teams that need that, which is why I think there will be a market for him if he can pitch healthy. Anyhow. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, real quick with the Keller market, I think as long as he comes out and gives you like two or three outings and his arm doesn't fall off, He's got the track record. Yeah. That if the velocity's there, his spin rates are yeah, there. Exactly. That's a big thing. If you know, like you said, he has a track record. They know what he yeah. can do. You you won't get a lot for him because whatever team trades for him is only getting him for a month. But somebody will give something up for him. I have no doubts about that. You always have teams that need help. Uh, with the bullpen so yeah will you get you know a great package that's going to move the needle probably not but something's better than nothing at this point exactly yeah and for a guy that's been such a head case too if you think about it through this whole process at this point you know I think anything like you said is something Um, you go back to the piggybacking though it, it just seems so robotic the way that you know, in back-to-back starts, the starter is taken out after pitching beautifully. The the next guy comes in and blows it up. Do we see Stephen Brault and Chad Cool get to stretch it out, extend it out, and and get to make regular starts from here on out, or I guess from here on until the bullpen is back or the starters are back and healthy? Excuse me. I just don't know if they want to stretch out Stephen Brault though. <laughs> like I, I mean, I that's the thing. Um, are there any other options though? I mean, if you, it's the other options to stretch out Chad Cole, who I'm not sure if they're exactly wanting wanting to do that this season at all. If they don't have to, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but it's like, I don't know. It's I think the thing that irks me most with the piggybacking, not so much that they're doing it, but they're set in their ways. Okay, Brault's going three, we're getting him out of there. Cole's going four, we're getting him out of there. But like the last two times, Brault in Chicago last weekend throws three perfect innings on 35 pitches. There's no need to pull him, let him start the fourth and just let him go to, he gets in trouble. Then have Cole come in and pitches three or four. Same thing with Cole on Friday through four innings. The only hit he allowed was a solo home run. He struck out seven. He only thrown like 55 pitches. Like the, the Tigers looked helpless against him. Let him go another inning or two and then get your two, three, four innings out of brawl. You wouldn't. It's just, I, I just, I hate, when, especially a pitcher like Cool, who I would hope they still view as a long term piece of this starting rotation. When he's cruising like that, let him go. Let him build some confidence. Let him build some arm strength back up after all the time he's missed. 
It's just, it's just frustrating to me. Not so much that they're doing the piggyback, but like you said, Trey, it is so robotic. Like you've got, it's like anything in baseball. You, you got to have a feel in your pitchers, and if a guy's cruising, you let him in. It's just that's what frustrates me the most out of it. And you know, it'd be one thing if the other guy didn't come in and, and blow it up. Stephen Brault didn't even get it out on Friday. Yeah. Like. Exactly. And that's like last Sunday with Brault, or with Brault. And I said this on the show last Sunday, you know, Brault went three scoreless. Short, excuse me, Cole comes in, pitches one, two, three, fourth, and gave up running the fifth that honestly shouldn't have scored because the base runner should have been out a couple of times, but the Pirates made some defensive miscues. So while that decision didn't really hurt the Pirates, making a bad decision and it going not going wrong doesn't make it a good decision. You know what I mean? Exactly. And Friday night, pulling Cole wound up being a disaster. Broad comes in, doesn't get anybody out. And then we, you know, we start the, the, the train. Hartley came in to his credit, did a nice job of only, only giving up one run out of that mess. But then you get Rios and Del Pozo and just, it's just frustrating that they can't, seem to just not get stuck on this and not say, okay, you know what? We only planned on pitching Chad Cole four innings today, but he's been absolutely filthy in these four innings and the Tigers can't touch him. Let's let him get another inning and go from there. Henderson Alvarez has been added to the roster, acquired this weekend, former All-Star, but has suffered some pretty um, intense and, and you know nearly career-ending injuries throughout his time in Major League Baseball. Bounced around, was with D.C. for a bit last year in their minor league system. Signed by the Pirates. Um, what do you What do you guys like about this trade? I guess what do you expect um, the role to be for Henderson Alvarez when he arrives? Here's what I like about it is it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, they're bringing in a pitcher who hasn't pitched in a while. Um, and as far as I'm concerned – Del Pozo threw way to throw to way too many batters this year. So I don't really care about who they're bringing in per se, other than I'm happy to see that they're trying to find, you know, something in Alvarez, you know, the former all-star who uh, in a bullpen that was posted on social media was sitting about 94 to 96 regularly hit 98 miles per hour with what, uh, on his first pitch at a bullpen. So there's definitely something there. Uh, from what we understand, there was some interest uh, from other teams around the league, and he chose to sign with the Pirates. So that's good news as well. You know, we'll see what they get out of them. They could get absolutely nothing out of them, and it doesn't matter. It's a low-risk, uh, you know, possibly reward situation. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Henderson Alvarez. To me, this is your – stereotypical or prototypical I should say your prototypical hey you know what our pitching depth is a train wreck right now who's available in waivers who's setting out there in free agency that sort of thing type of move um I, I would be lying if I said I have high expectations for him I mean I know Nick you touched on how well his stuff has looked but the guy hasn't pitched in the major since 2017 he hasn't been healthy since 2014 I, I don't know I just I get why they make the move because you need the pitching depth, but there are a lot of guys to circle back to the proper way to tank and building for the future or tanking type of thing. There are a lot of guys I'd rather see get innings before him 
because I don't envision any scenario in which Henderson Alvarez is a long-term option for the Pirates, but there are a lot of guys on this 60-man player pool who could potentially have long-term futures with the Pirates, and I'd rather see those guys get the innings. No doubt. No doubt. And to go back to your point too, Nick, I mean, it's, it is nice that this really doesn't matter at all one way or the other. It would be, you know, obviously be great to get, to get good production, but that's just kind of the story of this season. You know, if a guy like Alvarez, you don't want to see a young kid blow it up, but if you see a guy like Alvarez come in and not have success, you're not losing sleep over it. This team's three and 13 and in last place by a lot at this point. So, you know, signing him, I think is, is going to help just with the situation of this bullpen right now, especially, um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it pans out here. Yeah, I, I doubt he'll be added directly to the roster also. They'll probably send him to Altoona first and get him pitching on their program and really figure out what they have in him and what they want to do with him. I'm sure they'll be running him through their medicals and everything, making sure that everything is progressing well with that as well. So I doubt we'll see him anytime soon. You know, he could be a candidate uh, post-trade deadline, that might get some time if certain pieces are moved off the roster. I, I will be curious too with Alvarez. As of this recording, we're sitting here Sunday night recording this. No details on his contract have been released yet. So I will be curious to see is it a one year deal? Is it, you know, where he could potentially be under team control? Like a one one option. Yeah, because I'm trying to think. He's probably, he's got to be post arbitration at this point. He is, yes. He, he, yeah, I'm just trying to between his years in Toronto and Miami and the one year with the, with, with the Phillies. So, but uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see if it is a one year with an option. My opinion on them using him will change some because then at that point, okay, he'll still be around next year. It'd be more of a let's see what you got him type of deal. But I, I yeah, I will be curious to see what the contract details are on that whenever they come out. I'm assuming we'll get them probably sometime Monday. So by the time you're listening to this, the details of his contract may already be out, but I will be curious to see what they are. Hopefully uh, an exciting week of news off the field for the Pirates because, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, they will not be traveling to St. Louis for the three-game set due to the coronavirus outbreak amongst the Cardinals. Um, but we we are going to be preparing for a uh, trade deadline special that we will have later this week for you and, and continue to get ready for the upcoming weekend series against the Reds in Cincinnati. But until then, that is all the time we have for this episode of Rumbunter Radio. As always, you can find us on fansided.com slash rumbunter, on Apple Music, on our social media at rumbunter, and on spreaker.com slash rumbunter as well. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. Thank you for listening. As always, let's go Bucks. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.